Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount. Welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our midweek service with Pastor Isaac Roman, continuing our series, Faith Without Walls. It's the message called Transformational Faith. Now, faith can be talked about, it can be discussed, it can be a revelation, we can know about it, but until it transforms us, it hasn't completely taken full effect in our lives. So there has to be this transformation that takes place, and it's in our choosing to do so. And you're going to hear a message from Pastor Isaac. It's uh, man, it's a really good one. Listen to it. Get started here tonight. You're welcome to be seated. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, our pastor is fired up. I'll tell you this. Uh, during that moment, during that time of praise, I, I felt that there was a spirit of prophecy that was released. And uh, I, I believe that our pastor really caught that and, uh, and was trying to move us to a place where our faith would come alive. Now, tonight, I'm going to talk to you about transforming faith. Uh, say that with me. Say transforming faith. Now, I believe that we all need, uh, we, we all need uh, the power of the Holy Spirit to change our lives. How many of us are tired of the status quo? How many of you are tired of being in the same situation that you've been in year after year after year, decade after decade after decade, struggling with the same bitterness, struggling with the same unforgiveness, struggling with the same sin? I believe that God wants to transform us tonight by the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, some of you guys will get that in a little bit. It's good to be here. I, I want to uh, acknowledge our, our senior pastors, Pastor Omar and Sister Letty. Uh, I want to honor them. We love them so much. We appreciate their leadership and what they do here uh, for each and every one of us. Uh, not only leaders here of our local church, but leaders, uh, leaders of, our, of the Praise Chapel Paramount Fellowship and also leaders on different, uh, di- different networks and, and all of that overseeing. And so we're so honored and, and uh, uh, we're so honored to, to, to call them our friends and our pastors tonight. Also, I want to let everyone know that uh, it's Pastor Omar's birthday on Sunday. And someone, someone asked Pastor Omar, are you going to preach on Sunday? Question mark. And Pastor Omar looked and he said, why wouldn't I preach on Sunday? I got a message. So you guys are in for something on Sunday. Uh, I, 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 want, I want you guys to come expecting, but Pastor Omar, uh, happy birthday, uh, 35 years old, looking good. All right. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you, God, that you've ordained this time. Father, you've set, you've set in motion everything that would get us into this place for this present time to hear the message that you have. So I pray right now, God, that you begin to work on the hearts and the minds of your people, that there would be a spirit of liberality, a spirit of freedom that would break loose in this house. Father, I pray that you would give a fresh anointing, Lord, that I would communicate the word that you've given me in my spirit, and that would bring change and transformation to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen, amen. amen. Uh, I want to start, uh, I, I want to share a scripture with you um, out of 2 Corinthians 5.17. And I'm going to throw some scriptures in there that you guys may not have, but uh, it, it's okay. Thank you for following along with me. But 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. And so what Paul is saying is that uh, if you are in Christ, and how many of us uh, how many of us are in Christ? How many of you are in Christ? Raise your hands. Come on. Hi. Let's go. Okay. All right. Very good. Now, if you are in Christ, 
That means that you are a new creation. Now, what exactly does that mean? I, I don't want to jump ahead too far, but I, I'll tell you this. If you are in Christ, you cannot be dealing with the same mindsets or the things that have, that, that have plagued you in your life before you came to the knowledge of Christ. That's the power of the Holy Spirit, the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. And so our life is not about uh, what we can get out of it, but rather how God can transform us from within. And so it's a change from the inside out. Now, we've been talking about this uh, faith without walls, and Pastor Omar has delivered message after message, uh, powerful messages, and, and I, I want to I bring, bring some clarity to what we're talking about. Now, when we're talking about faith and we're talking about all these different things, what we're not talking about is this ideology or this, uh, this faith that is, uh, or theology that is kind of twisted, saying that we name it and claim it. Now, I'm telling you, you could, you could claim the promises of God that God put in His Word, that Jesus gave each and every one of us. But when we want to start uh, naming and claiming things of, of prosperity and, and all these different things, uh, we're, set, we're, we're getting set up for a bad, for, for, for a bad, uh, a bad outcome, and, and many of us could become disappointed. But I want to talk to you more, more, than, more than that, more than what God could do uh, for you. I want, I want to talk about how God could change you from the inside out so that we could overcome some of these mindsets that keep us stuck where we're at. We could overcome some of these generational curses, these things that continue to perpetuate themselves from generation from generation, we want to bring change and transformation uh, tonight. And so, uh, a, a couple of things I want to I want to hit on, and, and uh, it may be a little bit of refresh, a little bit of touch on what Pastor Omar talked about on Sunday. But I want to set I, I want to set this kind of context here so that we can kind of get out of our own way. Everyone understand what I'm saying? Oftentimes we sit down right here and, and many people, uh, you kind of have an idea about where, the, where it's going to go. And, and oftentimes we can miss what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you because you're anticipating something else. And so I want to bring some context that could help us get ourselves out of the way. So the first thing is this, is that uh, we come to church, we come to God with a consumer mentality. Uh, what I mean by that is that, uh, is that you come and, and what you're looking for is what can God do for, for me. And so I remember when I came to God, I needed a lot of things. Anybody, anybody with me? When you came to God, you were jacked up. You needed a lot of things. And really, this is a basic, this is, this is the, the first part of, your, of how, you, how you're introduced to, to Christ. You're broken. Uh, you have nothing. You've tried everything else. And now you come to God because you need God to do something in your life. And, and what happens is we're, uh, we're, we're conditioned by the culture to have a consumer mentality. And so uh, it's, it's all about me. Uh, it, it's my way right away, right? Um, uh, I could have it anywhere, any way that I want it. And really it cultivates a entitled, uh, an entitled spirit for all of us. And so um, I, I, those of you that know, I, I work a secular job and I'm in sales. I've been in outside sales. I've been a, I was a sales professional for 11 years, outside sales, commission salesperson. And uh, anybody ever hear the, the saying, the customer is always right? You heard that? Okay, so I believe that. I, I believe that when I first started, and then uh, then Hello, it began. Chapel, I began to Paramount. mature and Welcome understand uh, some of the dynamics of, of negotiating and some of the some of the dynamics of, of customer service. And I realized and this others. this truth that the customer is always right, is really a reflection of our faith. But so, but but not when he's not. to treat everyone right with a righteous heart. And a you understand what I'm saying? So the customer is always right, but not when he's not. And Jesus so what I, what I mean by that is that oftentimes in the consumer mentality, we when we sit down in the church, we want, we, we want the preacher to tell us what we want to hear. 
We want the preacher to, to affirm our lifestyle, to uh, affirm what we're doing, make what. us feel good. We're looking for the preacher Hello, to, to preach give us chapel. a shot, make yeah, me feel yeah. good, inspire me, move me, Hello, all these different chapel, things. Paramount. When God Welcome wants to bring to a change and transformation in your life. This, past weekend, this is a consumer mentality. The customer others. is always right. I talked about how we treat others, but not when he's not. The reflection of our faith. In fact, if we go back to what Jesus said, the other thing is this: is that uh, is that we we have a on-demand culture. I'm not going to get into this because you guys you guys heard about so this on Sunday. But this on-demand culture uh, uh, that that gives you the power, gives you the ability to pick and choose whatever you want. Oftentimes, we're quoting scriptures and we're picking and choosing the scriptures that really fit to what we're talking about, opposed to looking at the hard the hard scriptures or the hard things that God is trying to talk to us that will bring change and transformation to our lives. We're picking and choosing because we, we want it on demand we want it our way right away at burger king now if you love one another and so how we treat another consumer mentality is this is that we have a transactional faith i'm talking to you tonight about transformational faith but many of us are treating god like we have a transactional faith well what does that mean exactly pastor isaac what that means is that if I do this, then God will do that. Now, I, I want to I kind of bring this to you and, and make this very practical. Now, many of you, what you think, what you think you're supposed to do is, uh, is you, have a, you have an idea, you have a need from God that you have in your mind. And so what you try to do is formulate a strategy that will manipulate God to do what you want him to do. So what that could look like is, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go to church every Sunday. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But your expectation is that if you go to church, then God is going to do whatever you want him to do. And you've not asked God, uh, you've not asked God specifically what he wants to do. Uh, on the contrary to that, you want God to bless whatever you've decided in your mind for that to happen in your life. And so you're transacting with God. Hey, God, if, you do, if, if I do this, my expectation is that you do that. Now, when we do that, how many of us have been disappointed? How many of us have said, okay, I'm going I'm to commit myself or discipline myself to do this or that, and then God doesn't do what you expected him to do? Oftentimes, people leave the church. People, uh, uh, pe people leave God. They, they abandon their faith because God didn't do what, what he wanted them to do. I'll, I'll tell you a story. I've, I've, I've shared many stories with you, uh, but I, I think about things in my life where I, I came to God and I wanted him to do something. I even, there, there, were, uh, there, were, there were moments in my life where there were uh, good things that I wanted God to do and he didn't do them. And I, and I would question God, like, this is, this is a good thing. Why wouldn't you do that? And so ultimately I had to surrender to his will, his sovereign will, his providence, right? And so he allows these things to happen in our lives to ultimately fulfill his purpose in our lives. You can't transact with God. We surrender to God. And so faith is not transactional. It's transformational. Faith is transformational. There's three things that I want to talk to you tonight about. And really it's a progression in this transformation that I believe that every single one of us want. How many of us want change? Okay, a few of us. Some, this is the danger that some of us are very, very comfortable where we're at. And God, God demands change. God demands change. So the first thing is information. Thank you. The first thing is information. Now, information in itself is not a bad thing, 
right? Uh, education, uh, um, uh, seeking knowledge. I, I, I appreciate so much Pastor, uh, Pastor Rob and Pastor Carly. They're hosting and, uh, 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 and facilitating theo- uh, PCBI, our theology class. It's such a blessing. The Roman family is on every Tuesday, every Tuesday night, and it's enriching. It's great. It's, it's powerful. We're reading the Bible together. We're learning about the New Testament, New Testament survey. Uh, Tuesday, we're, we're learning about uh, the intricacies and, and, and the dynamics of the synoptic gospels and all, all these different things. And this is all great stuff. This is all awesome. But I'll tell you that if you're pursuing God from, from an, in, uh, an intellectual standpoint, that's a good thing, but that, that in itself is not going to bring transformation. So information by itself does not bring you to transformation. There's a lot of people that know a lot of stuff. How many of you know uh, really, really smart people? I talk, I talk about this with Pastor Omar. I say, man, that, that person is educated. They're, you know, masters this and, and uh, uh, you know, PhD that and all this other stuff. And we, we talk about that, and he says, yeah, uh, those people are educated, and, and they're, they're, they're intellectuals and all that kind of stuff, but they lack wisdom. And so, again, we could be full of information. We could have a lot of things. We could pursue all of these different things, but information in itself is not going to take us to a place of transformation, and God demands change. So what's the value of information? The value of information is that... It, you know, collecting information, collecting data could help you make better decisions. Th- these are all good things. Uh, uh, information, you could, you could trade that, you can transact with that. Uh, it's called intellectual property, so it makes you more valuable in your workplace, makes you more valuable in the market. So these are all great things. Now, the downside to information and this pursuit of head knowledge, as we all know in 1 Corinthians 8.1, uh, Paul is talking to uh, uh, t- talking to the Corinthian church about uh, about food. I want to make sure that I, pr- I put this in proper context about food. But the concept that he's saying is that you guys are so uh, so puffed up in your head knowledge that you're missing the power of God. And so what he says in First Corinthians or uh, yeah First Corinthians eight one he says yes we know uh, yes we know that we all have knowledge about this issue, but while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love. That strengthens the church. And so if you're full of knowledge, you're full of all of this, all of these things, and you don't have love, you fall short of the glory of God. And so there's this thing about having head knowledge and, and, uh, and understanding the difference between head knowledge or, or knowledge or, or uh, head knowledge or discernment. And what, what, we want to per, what we want to pursue in our lives as Christians as the salt of this earth, as the light to this world, what we want to pursue is discernment. We want to be people of wisdom and not pursue head knowledge by itself. Now, I I want to share a story with you about the rich young ruler. Many of us know this story. All right, so uh, if, if you came to, to, to have this deep revelation or anything like that, uh, you're going to be disappointed. Uh, I, I'm here to deliver a word that I believe that God is going to help us and get us past ourselves and bring change and transformation to our lives. So Mark 10, 17 through 22, I'm going to read it and I'm going to stop and I'm going to highlight some things maybe that you've not seen before, but it's going to help us to understand that information alone cannot get us to the point of transformation that God desires for each and every one of us. So Mark 10, 17, it says, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, 
What must I do to inherit eternal life? Pause. So this man came running to Jesus. I, I believe that he came running with some confidence. Would you agree? He wasn't running away from Jesus. He was running to Jesus. He knew what Jesus was about. And so he was running to Jesus with confidence. And he, and he poses the question, good teacher, what must I do to, uh, to inherit eternal life? So isn't it interesting that the rich young man came to Jesus wondering what he can do? Think about that. The rich young ruler went to Jesus asking, what can I do to inherit eternal life? The use of him doing anything implies that he thought that he could enter God's kingdom on his own merit. We'll start connecting the dots here. Verse 18, Jesus responds, Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. Pause. So Jesus isn't denying that he's good. Jesus doesn't say, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not good. He doesn't deny that, Right? But he's indirectly forcing the man to question his assumption that he knows goodness or the Lord. So he stops. This is what we call in sales. We call this a, a, a pattern interrupt. Okay, so what it is is, you know, you're going through a conversation and sometimes someone throws something that just kind of stops everything. You're like, what did you just say? Right? This is what Jesus is doing right now to this rich young ruler. He had an idea. He had an expectation. He thought he had this all planned out, how it was going to go. And Jesus stops him in his tracks and gets his attention. Now listen to what he, listen to what he does. So what Jesus is saying is that, uh, uh, what, what Jesus is saying, no one is good but God. And therefore, you can't, we can't, I can't rely on our moral behavior to inherit eternal life like anyone else. We must follow Christ. Now, I want to say this, that we are called to surrender, crucify our lives, pick up our cross, and follow him. We'll get there. Verse 19, but to answer your question, this is Jesus, but to answer your question, you know the commandments. Talking about knowledge, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, you must not cheat anyone, honor your mother and your father. And so, so what Jesus does is he gives him this ethical moral list of all these things that he's done. This, this is going to wreck some people. And so verse 20, the rich young ruler replies and he says this. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Pastor Omar talked, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago, about a halo shining moment. The rich young ruler was sitting there with a halo shining moment. He was sitting there uh, as, as Jesus laid out all these commandments and he was, he, was, he was anticipating all these things and he knew, now he was a good man. I, I don't want to say that he was an evil man. He wasn't an evil man. He was a good man, obviously. Morally good, ethically good. He was pure. He was 100, whatever it is. So he's sitting there shining his, shining his halo. Like a lot of us sitting in the pews I've done this and that and this. You got, you got your resume. I, I, I checked this box. I checked that box. All these different things. But listen. Verse 21. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Jesus, th this broke his heart. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. 22. At this, at this the man's face fell. 
And he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Listen, so although the rich young ruler obeyed all of the commands, he was still missing something. And a lot of times we're talking to people and we know good people. How many of us know good people? We know good people. They're great people. They're generous people. They're loving people. They're family people. But they may be missing one thing. And Jesus catches them on the first commandment that you shall love your God with all your heart and all your might. No other idols before me. Love God exclusively. And so he saw that he worshiped the idols of wealth and status. And so Jesus tells him to sell his goods and to follow him. And the rich young ruler had all the information, all the head knowledge. Listen, all of the mechanics of religion and tradition. This was a good Jewish man. He had it all dialed in, even ethics. But he lacked transformation because he valued this world more than he valued Christ. There are good people outside this church. There are good people inside this church, morally good, ethically good that are missing Christ and potentially slipping into hell. That's information. And so again, information alone is not going to take us to a place of transformation. The next thing is revelation. Now, revelation sounds really, really spiritual, right? That man, that was a great revelation or, uh, uh, you know, the Christian slang is heavy revy, right? I got this heavy revy. I'm going to drop this on you, right? I've been, you know, praying for, for, for six hours and, you know, the Lord showed this to me in Scripture. I'm not making light of that, but, but revelation in itself does not get us to a place of transformation. It definitely helps. But I'm going to show you how revelation in itself is not going to take you to a place of transformation. And so revelation, I want to define that, is how God, the creator of all things, makes himself known to us. So this is how God makes himself known to each and every one of us. And so there's two types of revelation. There's special revelation and general revelation. This is theology. I'm not going to go deep into that, but there's two scriptures that I want to share with you. The first one is general revelation. In Psalms 19, 1 through 6, it says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. I want you to listen to this. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display His craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make Him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. This is the revelation of, uh, this is the general revelation. And so there's those that say that uh, I, I can't see God, I don't believe that there's a God. Point them to, to, point them to Psalms. Rome, Romans 1, 19 through 21 says that they know the truth about God. Listen to this. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, 
their minds became dark and confused. I want to, sh I want to show you a story quickly in, in, in the Bible in, in Acts of a man that got revelation. Now listen, there's often times where you're sitting in a service, Pastor Omar, Pastor, uh, Pastor Rob, uh, we had three of our leaders uh, two weeks ago on a, on, a, on a Wednesday come and deliver powerful words. And in those moments, I believe that God is inspiring you. There's revelation that's being bursted open into your heart and your mind. But my question to you is, in those moments of inspiration, in those moments of revelation, is it bringing the change and transformation that God demands in your life? Is it, is it causing us to shift? Is it causing us to change our behavior? The story in Acts is, and I'm gonna summarize, it's a long story. It's a story of Paul, and, and he's, being, he's being brought to trial. And you can find this in Acts 23 all the way through 26, but I'm going to summarize it. He's being brought to trial, and he's being, he's being convicted of, of wrongdoing. He goes before two commanders before he gets to the king. And as he goes to those two commanders, he lays out all of the things that he's done and asks them to find fault in what he's done. They're, they're not able to do it. Uh, the, the, the Jewish leaders are, are accusing him, throwing accusations and all these different things, but the Roman rulers are not able to uh, validate what he's done wrong. So fast forward. So it's, it's uh, uh, in, in progression, it's Festus, Felix, and King Agrippa. Now he goes before King Agrippa, and King Agrippa, you have to understand this to understand the dynamics of what's happening. King Agrippa understood Jewish custom, understood Jewish history, understood all of these different things. And so what Paul starts to lay out to him is you know all of these things. Let me show you how all of these things that you're aware of, all of these things that you know already in your mind, let me connect that to who I'm preaching and that's Christ. So he takes them from a place of information and moves them to a place of revelation. Now listen, revelation in itself will not bring the transformation that we're talking about. It says in Acts 23, I'm sorry, it says in Acts 26, 28, it says this. It says that Agrippa responded, in, uh, Agrippa responded, this is to Paul's basically preaching to him, responds and says, in such a short time, you are nearly persuading me to become a Christian. Now listen, despite this revelation, King Agrippa understood the knowledge. He understood the truth that he was saying. And he, he was able to tie it together with this revelation. But despite this revelation, Agrippa was not persuaded. And he failed to respond to the revelation. I believe that there's people in this house that, that are impacted, that are moved, that are inspired in moments by revelation. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Even right now as I speak, the Holy Spirit is pointing to areas in your life. And, and many of us stay in the place that we're at when God is calling us to change. God is calling us to get out of that relationship. God is calling us to lose that number. God is calling us to change and transform. So revelation can't produce transformation. A response to the revelation is required. A response to the revelation is required. And our response will determine our transformation. Listen, Pastor Omar's book, he's got a, he's got a chapter on respond. And I'm going to share a, a, an excerpt that says, God has called you as an individual, 
I don't, it, regardless of where you're at in your life, regardless of your age, your status, whatever it is, God has called you. And when God calls, he demands a response. His majesty expects an answer. God has placed you in this world to serve a specific purpose, to accomplish a specific task. Our response to God has the potential to impact eternity. So how will you respond to the call from heaven? Will you respond or will you run? I believe that there's many people running from the call of God. I believe that there's many people where God has called them, the revelation has come and hit you upside your head and you're running. Now what does running look like? Running could look like you sitting in a pew. Your heart is far from God. We're talking about revelation in itself cannot bring the transformation that we're looking for. The third thing is transformation. So, and, and I want to define this transformation in the New Testament. The Greek word, many of us know this, uh, for, for transformation is metamorphosis. And the reason I want to say that is because metaphor, metamorphosis means that there's a profound change in form from one stage to another. So as you are transformed in Christ, there's a change. The old nature is gone. You can't be the same person when you're in Christ. You can't have the same response. You can't have the same attitude. You can't have the same, uh, the same pet sin. You can't have the same different things that you're going over and over and over in. We talk about this often. There's people that are in cycles in their life. It's a honeymoon, and then it's, it's chaos, and then, uh, and then it's better again because things worked out, and then, uh, and then they fall short. All these different things, these cycles that continue, continue, continue to perpetuate themselves in our lives because we are not changing. I understand there are seasons in our lives, there's things that we go through, there's ebbs and flows in this life, there's times of blessing, there's times of trying. I understand all those different things, but our faith should hold us steady and stabilize us in those moments. Transformation, a profound change in form from one stage to the next. I'm gonna ask my daughter to come. She's gonna share a testimony tonight. Madison, why don't we let Madison know how much we love her? I'm so proud of her. And before she gets started, I, I want you to hear the story of transformation. This is what we're talking about. Information does not bring transformation. Revelation in itself cannot bring transformation. It's a response that brings transformation. Hi. <laughs> uh, so I'm Madison, um, and I'm going to be sharing my testimony right now. Uh, First, I want to thank my dad for having me up here. It's such a blessing to come and share my testimony and share it to you guys. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start. Um, so in the sixth grade, I was very lonely. I, one of my best friends, I had a musical, and I was an understudy. And so I had to go to another school in order to, um, to uh, fill in for somebody who wasn't able to make it. And because of that, my friend was uh, alone. She couldn't hang out with me. So uh, she brought in other friends from her previous friend group. And so when I came back, I could tell that these girls didn't like me at all. There was three of them. I knew one of them liked me. And she would try to include me. Sorry. She would try to include me with things. But it just, the other two, she, they would try to leave me out of things. And it was really hard for me. 
Um, so I had a lot of uh, social anxiety because of that, because, and I was awkward. I didn't really get to talk to anybody, and I wasn't really talking to my church friends uh, around that time. And I also was a part of this uh, musical group called Ensemble. Um, it was the highest uh, music group in our school district. Um, so I was a part of that. And of course, I grew up in the church. <laughs> I, threw, I grew up in the church. And because I grew up in the church, uh, I met the church before I met God. And so, let me see. So I thought no one liked me because I wasn't talking to my church friends and I wasn't involved with any of my friends uh, at my school. So I thought nobody liked me, nobody cared about me because nobody would talk to me. And on top of that, I was stressed from school and I felt stupid. Uh, I, I, of course, was surrounded by beautiful people, but... I was surrounded by beautiful people, but I couldn't find the beauty in myself. And so going back to Ensemble, um, I met some girls there, and they told me they were bisexual. And I was like, bisexual? Like, I knew what that meant, but I never met somebody that was bisexual. And so they told me about it, and they were like, oh, yeah, I like girls, and I like boys. And I was like, That's, that sounds weird, but I couldn't get the thought out of my head. And so at the end of sixth grade... I was angry at myself and I hated myself. I thought I had to be perfect. And I, felt my, and I filled my head with thoughts of homosexuality, even though something was telling me that it was wrong. And I gave in to my homosexual temptations. In seventh grade, I surrounded myself with people like me who fed into self-hatred and isolation. They hated themselves and I hated myself. I listened to unbiblical preachings around homosexuality and trying to make it okay. I didn't see my true worth or beauty because I was surrounded by people who couldn't see theirs. My parents found out and immediately took me out of school, of course. I was a little rebellious teenager, so of course I got mad at them. Um, and I had previously been going to Fresh Fire, but uh, one day uh, after that, um, I went to Fresh Fire and I can't remember exactly the day or the message, but I remember being like, God, I don't understand. Why am I going through this? Why do I hate myself? Why do I feel like I like girls? Why do I feel like this? And I remember feeling so confused. But I remember God just saying to me, I'm yours. You know what I mean? Oh. Like, you have worth. I made you. You're not a mistake. And I remember wanting to give my life to God. Immediately, in less than a month, after I gave my life to God, I felt better. I was more confident in myself, and I looked at myself better. I realized I wasn't a mistake because God had a purpose for me. I began to, I started to love myself. My homosexual desires started to leave me and I've never been more happy in my life. The spirit of homosexual, thank you. <laughs> the spirit of homosexuality and loneliness left me and I felt free of my mind. In Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1.5, in the King James Version, it says, before I formed you 
In the womb, I knew you. Before I sanctified you, I ordained you a prophet of the nations. We are supposed to be set apart, not a part of this world. Therefore, we should not conform to the worldly desires. God has given me an identity in him, not, not in who I have sexual relationships with or in my beauty or in my intelligence. My duty is to God and I will plant seeds of a new generational obedience and love for God. I will use my testimony as a thanksgiving to God. proud of her. We're talking about the, transfer, the transforming power of God. Romans 12, 2, we know, this story, we, we know the scripture. We quote it all the time. I'm going to slow down. And I'm going to read it very, very slow so that you understand it. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Don't take on the attributes. Don't take on the mindsets. Don't take on the political views of this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. In some translations it says... Don't be conformed any longer. What does that mean? That means that at one point we are conformed. That means that we're taking on the secular world's the secular world view as truth. We've we've bought into the lie. It says no longer, no longer be conformed to this world. Again, God demands change from us. The story that you heard tonight, Madison, she's, she, she was born and raised in church, 12, uh, uh, 14 years of her life now. She knew God. She experienced the presence of God. But there was, tr- there was transformation that needed to take place. And if, if, it, if, it was needed tra- if there was transformation needed in a 14-year-old, each and every one of us could, could probably admit that God, that God needs to change us. God needs to change some things in us. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, invite the worship team to come up, and I'm gonna I want to wrap this up. There's there's three things that I want us to understand as it relates to transformation. There's three things that we could do. I'm sure there's many more. I'm sure you come up with your own three lists, okay? Uh, but but th- th- these are three things that I believe that God showed me to help us get some victory in our lives. If you're tired of being the same way, if you're tired of struggling with the same thing, I believe that these three things could help you. And really, they're keys to transformation. So we're talking about trans. Uh, we're, we're, we're talking about uh, uh, faith that transforms us, or transforming faith. And so, three keys of transformation. Write these down. The first thing is this: shocker, complete surrender. That means abandoning yourself, abandoning your own desires, abandoning your plans for your life, because we want to be in control. We want to dictate to God what our life is going to look like. We want to plan it all out. We want it to be all clean. Complete surrender. Psalms 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Complete 
surrender. God demands complete surrender. The next thing, the second thing is to reset our focus. Reset our focus. Reset our focus from the things of this world, the things that are, are, are tugging on your attention. Refocus, re- reset ourselves away from all of those distractions. We have so much time on our hands now. Pastor Omar talked about this on Sunday. Many of us, we should be, we, we, we should be uh, uh, prayer giants. But we're hearing stories of people that are scared, people that are cowering back, people that say, I've heard this said to me. I don't recognize who I am. We need to reset our focus. Philippians 3.13 says, I focus on this one thing. Laser focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Reset our focus. The last thing is that We need to delight in God. We need to delight in God. That means to not delight in yourself, to not delight in your career, to not delight in your own uh, own plans. That we're to delight in God alone. Psalms 37, four and seven says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. We're talking about transforming faith. We're talking about a faith that could change the trajectory of our lives, the path of our life, the the, the path of our generations to come after us. God demands change and he demands it from every single one of us, me included, the pastors included, every single one of us. God demands change from every single one of us. We say around here that God loves us, uh, loves us right where we're at, but loves us too much to leave us there. God loves you right where you're at. It doesn't matter what, what's going on in your life right now. It doesn't matter. God loves you right where you're at. But God loves you too much to leave you there. God demands change in our lives. So my question for all of us is this, is what kind of faith do you have? Is your faith based on information? Yeah, you know God. You could even believe in God. But it's not transforming. You could be a person of revelation. You could be sitting here today and have the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God is speaking to you. I believe that God is speaking to every single one of us. But the change is, the, 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 the biggest pivot, the biggest question mark is, Is that revelation leading you to transformation? Is it bringing change into your life? Is it bringing the change that God is demanding from you? Or are we being buzzed in the moment of inspiration, feeling good, you got the goosebumps, you feel good here at at, at the altar in worship, you feel the presence of God, but you go home and you go home unchanged. I believe that God demands a response from us tonight. I'm, I'm gonna ask you if you would, just bow your heads and close your eyes. I wanna pray for some people tonight. And before we get any further, I wanna give an opportunity to respond, to respond to what I'm talking about. There could be people sitting here right now with us online. There's about 70 screens with us, 70 homes, 70 people, 70 families that are with us online now. And so you could be sitting here, you could be sitting at home, whatever it is. And you could be in different stages in your life. You could be a person that knows God. 
You understand church. You've been raised in church. You've heard of the things of God. You've heard uh, of the traditions and the mechanics of religion. You've heard of these things, but it's not changed you. You could be sitting here and you could say, I've walked with God for a long time. And yes, Pastor Isaac, there's these ebbs and flows of my walk and my spirituality when I'm walking with God. But I believe that God is pointing at one, one place in my, in, in my life and I'm not ready to give that up. I believe that God is demanding a response tonight for us to give those, those areas up in our lives. I'm gonna ask uh, if, if I could just have, if you're a believer in this place, just begin to pray right now. Father, we pray right now, Lord, I pray, God, that you would break every lie off of your people right now in Jesus' name. I pray, God, Lord, that you would grab the attention of your people right now. This is an ordained moment. This is a holy moment, God. Holy Spirit, do your sovereign work in Jesus' name. And so if you're here in this place, if you're online, I want to give an opportunity to respond to Christ. You could be here and you could say, I, uh, Pastor Isaac, I, I, you know, first time here. I've been here a few times. I understand that I need God. I understand that, that all these different things. But I can't say that I've made Christ the Lord of my life. That I've surrendered everything like you're talking about. That I'm focused 100% on Him. And if that's you in this place, I want to tell you that God loves you. God has a purpose for you. God has called you. God has, God has uh, such, such great, uh, great plans for your life. God wants to use you right where you're at. You don't need an education. You don't need to know all the intricacies of religion or Christianity. God wants to take you right where you're at, change you, transform you, so that you can change and transform other people. And so if you're, in, if you're in this place and within the sound of my voice and you say, Pastor Isaac, I, I, I don't, I'm away from God. I don't, I, I'm not living for God right now. Maybe at one time I was walking with the Lord, but I'm far from that place right now. And I, I, I believe that I need a transformation in my life. If that's you in this place, I want you just to raise your hand. Just wave it at me. I can't see you all, so I'll need the, the ushers to help me out. But just slip your hand up real quick. Just, just pop it up. Don't even think about it. We got, we got a couple back there already. We got a couple over here. These are honest hearts. These are honest hearts. If you're there on, online with us, I would ask that if you want to get in on this prayer, if you would, uh, just, just let us know in the chat and, and we, we want to pray together. Anybody else at all, just, just lift your hand real quick. There's, there's already those that have responded. You're not here by yourself. You'll, 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 you're, you're here with other people. We all, we all need to come to a place of change. We all come to a place of decision in our lives. And so I'm going to ask one more time, if, if, uh, if you raise your hand, if you, if you slipped up your hand real quick, I'm going to ask you, without thinking, stand up and, and, uh, and get out of your seat and walk down and just meet me right here. Just pop up out of your seat. Don't even think about it. The truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. Let's give them a hand. Let's give them a hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on, we're, we're gonna wait. Come on, come on, come on, come on up here. Anybody else? I want to pray. I want to pray for those of you that are online with us. I want to pray. I'm gonna ask the, the ushers if you would lead them in, in a prayer, a salvation prayer. So let's pray. So Father, we thank you, God, for these for these lives. 
Lead them in the, in the sinner's prayer. Father, I pray, God, Lord, that the work that you've begun in their life, you're faithful to complete it. Father, we understand that we are a new creation in you. All things have changed. All things are new. Father, I pray that you continue the work that you're doing right now in this place. Father, we thank you for your salvation. We understand that it's nothing in ourselves. It's not any good work that we could do. It's not because we're good people or morally correct. It's a sovereign work of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for salvation tonight. We thank you, God, that salvation has come to the hearts and the minds of your people tonight. That generations will be impacted tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Those of you that... Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.